Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grove, and now, here's a word from the Lord. Psalm 51, in verses 1 through 12, were read for you. I'm going to pick up at verse 13. Once you find Psalm 51, 13, if you would stand, let's read the rest of that. And if the Lord says the same, if he allows, I'm going to try and minister uh, from this text. So we've been canceling stuff this year. We're canceling things this year. And I've, I've just been reluctant to call this a year of cancellation or season of cancellation. I'm, I'm just not that big on the year of this and year. I'm just, you know, um, but we're canceling stuff this year. This month, month of April, uh, we're canceling misery. Misery. We telling misery, misery, you know what? We, we've been dancing long enough, cuz, but today, I'm cutting you loose, man. This time out for misery. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm, this time out for misery. We're canceling things that we may have settled with, things we may have accepted that we really don't have to. So we're canceling misery this month. So today may not be the most Palm Sundayest sermon you've ever heard. In fact, it's, it's not Palm Sunday sermon at all, but it's a word. All right, it's a word. Psalm 51, 1 through 12 is already read for us through. Uh, our response reading. Let me jump into verse 13, New Living Translation. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Amen. I praise God for that prayer of healing. I need healing from these allergies in Jesus' name. Today I want to talk from the thought, I want to be free from my guilt. I want to be free from my guilt. I want to be free from my guilt. Uh, before I begin, let me, let me express my gratitude to all of you for the RV trip you gifted my wife and I with uh, last December. So we took that trip last week. Uh, that's why you didn't see us the Sunday prior uh, or the Sunday afterward. But thank you all for your generosity and the gift. We had a great time. Uh, God kept us safe. God protected us. And we are back. I want to thank Bishop Tiangelo Hill for filling in for me a couple of weeks ago and uh, to Bishop Apostle Prophet Teddy Madison uh, for filling in for me last Sunday. Uh, he is the man. All right. Uh, I want to be free from my guilt. I want to be free from my guilt. David's song here in Psalm 51, and that's what we have, y'all. It's a song. It's a song. In many of these psalms, uh, 
were, were hymnals they, or hymns that would be sung in corporate worship experiences. And so this, this is David's psalm. It's, it's a poem that he's written uh, to, be, to be sung to music. And it's a song of confession. It's a song of apology. It's a song where David is basically telling on himself that he's messed up in his life. He's messed up in his walk with God. Or as Margie Tuck would say, David is saying, he's admitted, he's admitting, he done put it in a jug. He done put it in a jug. He's telling on himself. It's, it's an apology. It's, it's a song like so many others that you and I are acquainted with where folks sing these songs where they're apologizing and they, they tell on themselves like, uh, baby, come back. Any kind of fool could see there was something in everything about you. Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me because I was wrong and I just can't live without you. Yeah. While some of y'all trying to act like y'all don't know what that song is. Some of y'all remember. How about this one? How about, this? How about a little trivia in the word this morning? How many of y'all know where this song is from? Hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything that I've done. But when I call, you never seem to be home. Hello from the outside. At least I can say that I've tried to tell you I'm sorry for breaking your heart. But it don't matter. It clearly doesn't tear you apart anymore. Any ADL fans in the house? All right. Uh, but here's a classic right here. Here's the classic Apology, I done messed up song of all times. I never meant to cause you any sorrow. I never meant to cause you any pain. I only wanted one time to see you laughing. See you, la see you laughing in the purple rain. <laughs> and all the people of God said, ah. David's Psalm, Psalm 51 has a brother sounding. He's apologizing. He sounds miserable. He's miserable. Misery defined uh, by, by Webster simply is a state of suffering and want that is the result of poverty or affliction. Uh, it can also be defined as a circumstance, thing, or place that causes suffering or discomfort. Misery. Misery can also be defined as a state of great unhappiness and emotional distress. It's when you feel bad. It's when you're you're feeling less than great. You're feeling less than wonderful. You're feeling less than marvelous. You, it's when you done put it in the jug. It's when, you, it's, it's when things just ain't going well. You're not happy at all. Your, your peace has been disturbed. Miserable. David sounds miserable in Psalm 51. Let me point it out to you. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, you can hear David's misery. David says, and this is like, this is like the... the where, the, where the, the spotlight really ought to be put. If we want to know how does David sound so miserable in this psalm. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. David says I'm miserable. And this misery. Many times we, when we talk about miser misery. We may be misery because our, our money ain't right. Got trouble in our health. Trouble in relationships. Trouble everywhere and on all of that. David David wants to help us kick off our focus on uh, canceling misery this month by looking at the fact that sometimes all of us may experience misery because we've committed sin. 
Yeah, misery when your money ain't right. Misery when you lost your home. Misery when you lost your job. Misery when you lost a loved one. Misery when, when your relationships aren't well. Misery when there's just trouble in your life. But for, for the believer, there are, there are times when you're miserable because you've sinned against God. Look at verse 8. David is still talking about his misery in verse 8. He sounds awful. Worse than Prince in Purple Rain. Worse, worse than Adele in Hello. Worse than... Uh, uh, that old school band with baby come back verse 8 oh give me back my joy again here's the misery watch this you have broken me now let me rejoice you've broken me you've you've humbled me you've humiliated me you've you've crushed my spirit my joy is gone let me get it back but look at verse 12 Verse 12, David, David's misery is articulated in how he's lost his joy. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, I'm miserable. Help me to have joy again. Verse 14, verse 14, forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Verse 15, unseal my lips or open my mouth, I believe as the King James Version says. O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Verse 17 is good, too. Verse 17. Verse 17 helps us to see how miserable David is and why, why this psalm is, is one to look to uh, uh, to understand misery. David says in verse 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Someone who's, someone who's, who's humbled by how, how they've messed up. Someone who's, who's humbled by how they've dropped the ball in life and he goes on to say you will not reject a broken and repentant heart oh god david y'all david is miserable he's miserable if you were to look at him as a king he may not look miserable on the outside he he's a king he looks like everything is well he's he's got on his his uh, royal robes he'd be sit he would sit on a throne he has all of this power authority but david Based on this psalm that he's written during the time when he was a king, David is miserable because David messed up, messed up, messed up with with Bathsheba. Some of us know the story with David and Bathsheba. David, his, his troops are out the war. He really should have been out there with them. He's on his balcony. He sees girlfriend taking a bath. She's married. He has her to come up to his palace. He hooks up with her, gets her pregnant. Her husband comes home on leave, uh, won't sleep with her. David sends him back out to battle. And sends a letter with him, ordering, ordering his commander, put him on the front lines, knowing that if, he, if he's on the front lines, he's very likely going to be killed. And Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, was killed in battle because of David. Because of David. Nathan, Nathan comes to David about a year later. Reverend Dr. Nathan, the prophet, the man of God, comes to David about a year later and he confronts David about this situation. Confronts David about this sin he's committed. And, and David admitted he rebelled against God. Even in this psalm, this, the language that he uses, he's not saying, I messed up, but hey, ain't nobody perfect. He doesn't say, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, every, man, we have needs, and if her husband was home, and if he was, no, I, I rebelled against God. Nathan confronted David about a year later. Now, David writes this psalm telling on himself. I imagine, though, y'all, I imagine with David's conversation with Nathan, if David, if David was a 21st century con contemporary American Christian being confronted by Nathan, I wonder how David's response would have gone. If he were to respond like so many other believers that we know today 
I wonder how David would have responded. Reverend Dr. Nathan comes to David, uninvited, comes to David, sent by God to tell David, David, you done messed up. You messed up. David probably would have said something that, that a whole lot of other believers would have said. David probably would have said something like, man, why are you judging me? See, that's why I don't go to church now, because y'all church folks, y'all be judging folks like y'all perfect. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's why I don't go to church now, because y'all church folks, y'all church folks, y'all, y'all, y'all be judging folks too much. And I find it interesting that many churches today promote themselves as, as safe zones where there's no judgment. It makes me wonder, does that mean that if, if I were to come and be a part of that church where there's no judgment and it's a safety zone, can, can I live any old kind of way? Can I just do whatever, say whatever, treat folk however, and it's, it's okay because there's no judgment? I wonder, David, and Nathan had this conversation today in the 21st century where Nathan confronts David a year after he's messed up with Bathsheba. I bet you David would have said something like, man, why are you bringing up old stuff? That happened a year ago, dog. Bruh, man, bruh, I ain't got, bruh, I ain't got time, man. See, that's why, that's why I ain't got time to be going to church. That's why I didn't go. To, I went to the men's conference. and my, Man, my man was talking about stuff, and I just left early. Bro, why are you bringing up old stuff? Don't be bringing up old stuff, bro. We done dealt with that already. Don't be bringing up old stuff. Because that's what some of us say. We say we have these responses as if whoever is talking to us about what we've done, they ain't got no business saying nothing. David responded. He responded to Nathan. He simply admitted, I've sinned. I've sinned. Then Nathan told him something interesting. Nathan said, God says to you, after all he's done for you, after all that he's given you, after, after how, how amazingly and graciously he has, he has blessed you, all that he's given you, if you had simply asked him for more, he would have given you more. David, y'all, in Psalm 51, he feels, he feels miserable. He's messed up. He sinned against God. Let me pause here to, to carefully, lovingly, share with you that David should have felt miserable. He should have felt miserable for what he had done to Bathsheba and Uriah. Anytime we sin or y'all hang on with me, all of y'all streaming, hang on with the good part is coming. Believe me, the good part, the good part is coming. Don't, don't, don't leave yet. The good part is coming. David, David should have felt miserable for what he had done to Bathsheba and Uriah. Any, anytime we sin or rebel against God, anytime, ought to result in some level of brokenness, guilt, conviction, misery, because rebellion is a big deal. And rebellion is when you, you know better, but you do it anyway. You know better, but you do it anyway. God says rebellion is a big deal. 1 Samuel 15, 23. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So then the word came to Saul, King Saul, because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. When we sin against a holy, loving God, there should be some sort of conviction, some sort of a disruption in our peace. When we sin, we violate a law of love, our, 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 our love toward God, the God who loves us with an unconditional love. And I'm just trying to tell somebody, listen, guilt has its place. 
guilt has its place. That's why David saw it said in, in Psalm 51, 16 of our text of the King James Version, thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. I sin against you, I bring you a sacrifice to atone, we straight, we good. No, David is like, no, you want something deeper than that. You, you want something deeper than me just giving you something saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to give you this and we good. No, verse 16, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, or broken in a contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. Let me break that down, New Living Translation. I love the way it puts it. New Living Translation, same verse. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You want something inside me impacted. You want something inside me that, that can birth a change in who I'm becoming. Whenever we sin against God, especially if it's an act of rebellion, where I decide, I just decide to, to, to just sin against God, there should be, there should be the result of, of, of some conviction, some, some disturbance in my peace. I should feel miserable. But look at it from the other extreme. Y'all hang with me. The good part is coming. I promise you the good part is coming. Look at it from the other extreme. What would it suggest if we would sin or rebel against God and there would be no guilt, no conviction, no disruption in our peace, no misery? And this is what God had to, had to put up with with Israel in the Old Testament. Jeremiah put it this way. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 7.22, Jeremiah said this. When I led, this is God speaking through the man of God, Jeremiah. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices I wanted from them. This is what I told them. Obey me and I will be your God. You will be my people. Do everything I say and all will be well. Verse 24, Jeremiah 7. But my people would not listen to me. They kept, listen, they kept doing whatever they wanted. Following the stubborn desires of their evil hearts, they went backward instead of forward. From the day your ancestors left Egypt until now, I have continued to send my servants. You can hear the long-suffering of God. You can hear the grace of God. You can hear the compassion of God. You can hear the love of God where he's determined to, to get what he claims as his. I, I want you to be mine. You won't, you won't obey me, but I'm, I'm coming to get you. I'm still coming to get you. Uh, I blessed you. I favored you. I chose you. I delivered you not to be living the way you're living, but to live holy, to, to live sanctified, to live, to live, to walk right uh, and walk upright before me. But you just won't do it. But I'm going to keep coming to get you. I'm going to keep coming to get you. God says, I sent, I sent my servants, the prophets, day in and day out, but my people have not listened to me or even tried to hear. They've been stubborn and sinful, even worse than their ancestors. Sometimes you can have some people who, who may claim to love God, may claim to be in relationship with God, but they really ain't studying God and ain't uncomfortable with it. No discomfort whatsoever. No, just, they cool with it. They like, you know, they, they can do something they know they ain't got no business doing. You look at them, they're like, what you looking at? God's people, Jeremiah is speaking to a people who had a history of comfortable rebellion. Comfortable rebellion. Rebellion with no remorse, no regret, no conviction, no disruption to their peace. They played around with God in peace. Whenever we sin against God, we should not just go on as if, as if our rebellion is no big thing. Because rebellion, rebellion in the eyes of God is a big deal. But, 
Here's the good part. But we shouldn't be paralyzed by the disruption. We shouldn't be paralyzed by guilt. We, we should not be paralyzed by misery. David said, David said, he's haunted by his rebellion. Verse 3, Psalm 51 and 3. For I recognize my rebellion. No, David, David, is, David is not saying I'm aware of the mistake I made. No, David says, uh, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't. It's been a year, but I can't get it off my mind. Uh, I, may, maybe he's let it go. And I mean, th Psalm 38 gives us some insight as to how he felt before Nathan comes to him. So Nathan comes to him and he's like, and I, I really feel bad for what I've done. And I can't, I can't shake it. I can't get it out my mind. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. The question, y'all, should we be haunted by our rebellion? Especially after we've confessed it unto the Lord. Should we be miserable after we've confessed our sin because we can't shake the guilt? Should misery live, watch this, should misery live as a resident on the real estate of your heart, mind, and soul? Misery, if we allow it, can become a long-term squatter in the heart, mind, and soul of the believer. My encouragement to you today. Don't allow misery to become a resident living inside of you as if it belongs there and has a right to dwell there, haunting you day and night. Anybody hear what I'm saying? We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be haunted by it a year later or years later. So what does a worshiper do? What does a worshiper do when, when you know you've messed up? It's been a while, but you can't shake the guilt. You can't shake the misery. What, 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 what do you do when you... What do you do to cancel misery? What do you do to cancel guilt-driven misery due to rebellion against God? How can a worshiper cancel, eliminate, no longer be haunted by the guilt of their rebellion against God? How does one move forward in forgiveness without the guilt of their rebellion, squatting on the real estate of their mind and robbing them of peace and joy? My encouragement to you simply is do what David did. Do what David did. David, David in this psalm was attempting to cancel his misery through a prayer of confession with a supplication. Don't miss this part that God would work on his heart. He confessed his sin to a merciful, gracious and forgiving God. That would be a great start. Look at verse one. Psalm 51 verse one. That would be a great start. Confessing your sin and I, this is for those of you who have not confessed your sin yet. David confesses his sin. Have mercy on me, O God. Watch this. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. The language that he uses there is, uh, I need someone or something that's stronger than Ajax. I need some stuff that you can't just, you can't just buy from Walmarts. You can't just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and pick this up. This, this is some of that super strength stuff that you got to have a license to use. And the only person, the only thing, the only, the only kind of love that can give me that, the only kind of compassion that can give me that, the only place I can find that kind of grace, the only person who, who carries and deals that kind of mercy is God. God. Have mercy on me. 
Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Not because, not, not because I deserve it, because I don't. Not, not, not because I, I want another chance. I don't deserve another chance. God, listen, ha- have mercy on me because of who you are. Not because of who I am. Not because of who my pastor is. Not because of who my mama was. Not because of who my daddy was. Not because of the people that I know. Not because of what I've done for you. God, because of who you are. Have mercy on me. This is something that all of us who can't shake the guilt, you can't lose sight of who God is, how merciful he is, how loving he is, how compassionate he is, how long suffering he is, how how loving he is and and how gracious he is. And did I mention mercy? How merciful he is. And and did I mention that he's loving? How loving he is And, 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 and and long suffering, how long suffering that don't lose sight. Don't, don't make what you did eclipse who God is. Don't, don't let the mistake you can't, you can't shake. Don't let the guilt that you can't eliminate uh, eclipse just how merciful God is. Have mercy on me, oh God. Why should he, David? Why should he after what you did? Why should he? Because of his unfailing love. Because of his great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt purify me from my sin David wants to be cleansed cleansed David David wants the fault to be removed here's here's two things uh, to consider with what David is asking for on the one hand as David is asking God to remove the guilt I'm wondering Pastor Teddy if is David asking God to remove the the guilty uh, verdict Re- remove the verdict of guilty right um, I'm asking you to forgive me and then God says okay you're forgiven you, you're, you're, you're guilty but you're forgiven I'm going to let you go you move on you, y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying the, the verdict of guilt where you, you stand court you stand trial and then the verdict is rendered you're, you're, you're not guilty you're not guilty. You can go on. You've been acquitted. The glove doesn't fit. We're going to acquit. You go on. You go on. Is David asking for God not to render a verdict of guilt? Or is David asking God to remove the feeling and the bondage of guilt? Of, of being paralyzed by this guilt. He's asking God, verse 2, King James Version, watch me thoroughly. From my iniquity, iniquity, the punishment, the, the fault, the, the mischief, the, the depravity, uh, remove, remove the penalty of it, remove, remove the consequences of it, remove, remove any punishment that may be coming to me because of what I've done. Yeah. Verse three, for I recognize my rebellion. Again, it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Doesn't matter how I look at it. Doesn't matter how the culture look at it. The culture say, ain't nothing wrong. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with what you did. Nothing wrong with who you are. I, I ain't worrying about what the culture is saying. I'm not worrying about what, what, what some of my so-called friends are saying. We're telling me, look, man, you ain't, nothing, you know, ain't nobody perfect going about your business. No, God, I, I done messed up with you. I've done what is evil in your sight. But the end of verse 4, y'all, can't ignore the end of verse 4. The end of verse 4, he says, you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. David is saying, I know I messed up and God, however you decide to handle it, I had it coming. 
If I lose my job as king, I had it coming. If I lose all my power and authority as king, I had it coming. If I lose my life, I had it coming. If I lose, if I lose my son, I had it coming. Whatever what you, 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 you will prove, you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. But I wanted us to, I wanted us to begin with this. For all of you who may not know, confess your sins because God forgives. He forgives. Even though you may still feel guilty, you may still feel bad, you may still feel miserable, the good news is God forgives. John put it this way, John, 1 John, 1 John 1 and 9, but if we what? Confess our sins to him, he is faithful and to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some, a few, depending on what you did, all unrighteousness but then if we claim we have not sinned we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts God God will forgive the guilty verdict is removed in fact for anyone who has never ever come to Christ let me let me drop the gospel in here real quick for any of you who have never ever come to Christ you 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 are in sin you, you are guilty of sin, and according to the scriptures, uh, you, you're, you're going to perish in hell. But, but the good news is, if you come to Jesus today, if you give your life to Christ right now, right now, R-A-H-T-N-A-H, right now, you will be forgiven. You're, you're guilty of sin, but something's going to happen in your life that us church folk uh, refer to as being justified. Being justified is a legal term, which means that, that you're guilty of committing a crime. You stand trial, but you're going to be treated as if you're innocent. You're going to be declared innocent. All the evidence, they got you on surveillance tape. They have your DNA. They have your fingerprint. They even have a written confession. But then Jesus steps in as your, as your, uh, as your advocate. And he says, because of their faith in me, my blood has washed their sins away. They're no longer guilty of sin. I have, listen, I'm their advocate. I'm their savior. I'm their mediator. I, they're good. You're no longer guilty of sin. Amen. You receive salvation as a gift, as a free gift from God. So God will cleanse you from the verdict of sin. And you can know in your mind that you're forgiven from the verdict of sin and the consequences and maybe even any, any condemnation from sin, but still feel guilty. Am I preaching to anybody in here today? You can feel guilty with a guilt that can be hard to shake. Whether God will cleanse you from feeling guilty and miserable because of guilt may be another matter. Canceling feeling guilty and miserable may be the worshiper's responsibility more than it is God's. But David gives us some insight as to how to pray and, and what to say to God, what to expect from God, so that, the, so that the feeling of guilt can go on right where the verdict of guilt is going. It can go into the pit of hell where it belongs. The verdict of guilt, the, the paralyzing feeling of guilt can go on he asked God David asked God to cleanse him from his guilt God can cleanse you from guilt till you won't be condemned David says in verse 10 verse 10 y'all verse 10 creating me a clean heart 
Oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Here, here are some things David, David as he, as he uh, wrestles with, this, with his misery. These are some things that David can't do for himself. He can't do it on his own. So he has got to supernaturally do it on his behalf. And I believe these are things God can do to empower us to cancel misery. Look at them real quick and we're going to raise up. First thing I want to look at is when David says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Anyone who's, who's been forgiven, you ask God to forgive you, you confess your sins, you've been forgiven, the verdict of guilt is gone. You, you, you may have to be chastised for what you've done, but you will not be condemned for what you've done but you still feel guilty you still feel miserable david says say what i said create in me a clean heart oh god that word rendered create it, it speaks of what god did in creation in genesis 1 and 1 where he speaks into darkness and and caused something that did not exist before to come into existence david says god create in me a clean heart just like you did in creation Genesis 1 and 1 when you spoke into darkness let there be light there was no light until you spoke then when you spoke the darkness had to give way to what you were creating when you spoke what you spoke just like you did with that speak speak into my heart call something that ain't in me that ain't been in me to get in me Cre create speak speak a word do something inside of me to where the inside of me is changed Listen, I'm, I'm going to give you all one of the punchlines. Listen, David is, David is saying, I don't want to just feel better. I'm not, I'm not coming to you simply asking for relief from my guilt. I, I want something more than that. I want something deeper than that. I want something that's, that's more lasting than that. No, I'm, I'm not just asking, relieve me of the guilt, relieve me of the misery. Create in me a clean heart. Create, do something inside of me that changes my character, changes who I am, Ch gives, gives, me, gives me strength to resist some of these temptations that I have. And I know none of y'all don't know nothing about no temptations. I know y'all been walking with the Lord. And you, you've, been, you've been consecrated or concentrated so much. You, you know, and then you went to the sanctified play last night and got even more sanctifieder. And uh, David... David, how can we cancel our misery? Confess your sins. Confess them. I, I've done that, David. I've done that. I, I'm still doing it. Even though I know in my mind that God has forgiven me, I'm still confessing my sins. And let, me, let me say this. Let me say that real quick. Some of us need to learn how to go beyond saying to God, and I've told y'all this so many times, we need to go beyond and forgive me for all my sins that I've committed against you. Some of us need to go so far as to confess, Father, I have rebelled against you. I knew better and I did it anyway. I knew better and I said it anyway. I knew better and I went there anyway. David says, David, this, this miserable worshiper says to God, create in me a clean heart. Move supernaturally. Put something in me that ain't in me. Put something in me that I can't get in me. Put, put something in me that can't nobody else put in me. Put something in me that can't come from nobody but you. Create. Create in me. Create in me. Do a, do a work of creation in me. Speak, speak something into existence in my heart, in my being. And then David says, create in me a clean heart. Give me the one I got is polluted. 
I did what I did because my heart is polluted. I, the one I have is toxic. God, clean it. Create in me a clean heart. One that ain't toxic. One that's not polluted. One, cre create in me a clean heart. That ha Give me a, a greater heart for you. David, again, y'all, wants to, he wants more than to feel better. And I wonder how many of us, if the truth is told, that's, how many, that's really all we want. I mean, you ain't got to tell me, but, but in your own, your own conversation with God, maybe some of us need to confess, you know what, God, the truth of the matter is all this time, all I really wanted was to feel better and not necessarily be better. David says, I want, I want more than to feel better. I want more than to just be relieved of my misery. I, man, I need, to become a do, I need to become a new dude. I need to become a different person. I need to become the kind of person who can look on somebody and I, I ain't touching it. I ain't going there. I ain't messing with it. No, I ain't. No. I can be tempted to steal. I ain't stealing. I, no. I can, be I can be so stressed out under so much pressure. I can go back to smoking weed, getting high, getting drunk, and, and, and taking my whole check and spending it on crack cocaine or the substance of my choice and, and binging and being gone for three or four days, getting high off my little check. No, nobody know where I am. Y'all understand what I'm saying? David says, I don't want to be that guy anymore. Creating me a clean heart. I did what I did because my heart, my heart needs to be recreated by God himself. I want God to make me a new man. And God can create something inside of you to where well, Paul, well, Paul put it this way. Paul put it, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God spoke into our hearts and, and spoke into our hearts a, a new heart that we've never had before. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But David didn't stop there. David goes on in verse 10. As he's, as he's trying to deal with this misery, cancel this misery, but, but not just be relieved of the misery and be really the same old dude. David says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and what else? Renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. That, that, that word renew, that word renew means to, to erect or to make stand up or here, here's, here's, here's what I want us to get. It's, it's to make, make it firm and established. David is saying, I need you to do a work inside of me that makes me firm and established in the principles and values of pleasing you. Make, make, me, make me so firm and established in pleasing you that I don't deviate from it. I don't stray from it. I, I don't play with it. I don't take it lightly. I, make, make me firm and established that, 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 that living for you, that's, that's just how I live. Come what may, that's just, that's just how I live. One scholar said the word renew here means to make, means to be or to make new, to produce something new. It also to be used in making anew as applied to buildings or cities in the sense of, watch this, buildings or cities in the sense of rebuilding or repairing them. The word here would naturally convey the idea that there had been formerly a right and proper spirit in him, which he prayed might now be restored. The language is that of one who had done right formally, but who had fallen into sin and who desired that he might be brought back into his former condition. Uh, end quote. Here's, here's, here's what it means. It means David is, David is saying, there was a time when I was getting it right. There was a time when I was living better than that. I, 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 I backslid. I, I messed up. I fallen into something that I, I was better than that. God renew a right spirit. Rebuild me. Re, reconstruct me. So that I'm firm in my conviction. Verse 11 is something very important. 
Verse 11, he says, God, uh, do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It's, he's saying, I, I want to enjoy your presence. I, I realize that, that part of my becoming new, part of my, my remedy for my misery is your presence. You, you being with me, my, my spending time with you, my spending time in your presence is part of my remedy. Are y'all with me so far? Again, David doesn't want to just feel better. David wants to, David wants to be better. David recognized it. Man, the dude who did that, the dude who went so far, had to sleep with my man's wife and then have him killed, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want that kind of a heart that would make somebody do something like that. If I can spend more time in the presence of God, if God would not kick me to the curb, if God does not, does not delete me from the covenant list, I'm on the list of people who have a covenant relationship with God. If, if God don't quit me, that's how we talked when I was in elementary school. When you had a boyfriend or girlfriend and you didn't want her no more, you'd quit them. David, she say she quit you. She ain't quit me. I quit her. She said, y'all were on the phone last night. She quit you. No, I quit. I quit her. That's, you quit somebody when you don't want to be in a relationship with him anymore. David is, David is saying in verse 11, God, don't quit me. Don't quit me. How many of you know that God is so faithful that he won't quit you? How many of you know that God is so, God is, God loves you so much. Quitting you ain't even on his radar. God, I ain't going to quit you. I ain't going to quit you, boo. With your mask on, I just want you to encourage somebody if they six feet away from you, tell them, God ain't going to quit you, boo. David is asking verse 11, God, don't quit me. God, I ain't going to quit you, boo. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I want to encourage somebody with this. The dwelling of God's Spirit inside of us is something permanent. When the Holy Ghost come in, he, baby, he in. You can treat him like he ain't there, he's still in. You can ignore him like he ain't, like he ain't there, he's still in. You, you, can, you can neglect him all you want, he's in. He, the Holy Ghost come in. He, you can treat him like he a squatter. He's like, no, I got a right to be here. Listen, I paid to be here with the blood of Jesus, with the blood of the Lamb on Calvary. I paid. The Holy Ghost taking up residence inside of us is something permanent. Your covenant relationship with God, unless you quit God, God is saying, I ain't going to quit you. What you did is jacked up, but I ain't quitting you. He has every right to be there. He works, listen, and the presence of God's spirit inside of us, he works to convict of sin. Which makes me wonder, how can some of us sin and go on with no conviction, no disruption, no disturbance, no discomfort, no misery? The holy, the part of his job is to make you uncomfortable. Hey, what, what you doing? What are you thinking? And he, sometimes he, he convicts us on the front end. Don't you do that. Don't you go there. Don't you? You know better. The word is coming to you. You still. But some of us treat the Holy Ghost like we done laid him off, terminated him, ignored him, or that he's working remotely from heaven. He's inside of us. Too many of us take, too many of us may have only, uh, here, I want you to get this. Too many of us may have only granted the Holy Ghost to our emotions. While we in church, we want, we want to seclude and isolate the Holy Ghost. Like we gave him a job description. All right. Uh, Spirit of the living God. I'm on my way to church. 
Let, let me hear something to make me clap my hands. Let me hear something to make me dance. You, you have access to my hands. You, Spirit of God, you have access to my hands while I'm in church. You have access to my feet while I'm in church. If I want to dance while I'm in church, you have access to my feet. If I want to run around the church, you have access to my feet while I'm at church. You have access to my tongue. If I start speaking in tongues or prophesying while I'm at church, you have access to my tongue while I'm at church. But after I get out of church, if I holler at you, if I need you, <laughs> we, we've, we've reduced the spirit of God to something who gets a hold of us when we at church. Some of us need to admit he need to get a hold of me while I'm at work. Some of us need to confess I got to do a better job of him getting a hold of me when I'm when this child done got on my nerves again. Some of us need to admit that the Holy Ghost need to get a hold of you so you stop shacking. Getting high. The Holy Ghost needs access to our will. He, he needs access to our hearts, our minds, our souls at all times. Somebody say at all times. At all times. I think, we, I think some of us need to confess, I got to do, if I'm going to get beyond this misery, not just to be relieved of the feeling of misery, but to become a, a new person, to, to mature in my walk with Christ, to experience sanctification for real, for real. For the spirit of God to truly, for, for me to benefit from the presence of God dwelling inside of me, I think some of us need to admit that we don't give him access to too much of us outside of church. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Of all the content you watch on television, whether it's streaming platforms or whatever, how much of that content is written, directed, and produced by the Holy Ghost? I'll wait. How much of the content we watch on, on our devices, whether it's social media, what have you, how, may, how much of it is written, directed, produced by the Holy Ghost? Most of us, if we're honest, we might as well be honest, we in church. If I'm, going, if I'm really going to get beyond not just the feeling of misery and, the, and get beyond this feeling of guilt and become a new creation, if the, if the Holy Ghost ain't going to quit me, if, he's gonna, if, if his presence is part of my remedy, then how much, how much of myself do I give him access so that he can fix me? And if I only give him an hour or so on Sunday morning, it's deficient. Of all the content you're consuming, of all the conversations you're having through the week, all of, just take inventory of all the stuff you talk about through the week. How much of that talk is written, directed, produced by the Holy Ghost versus how much of it is filled with gossip, speculation? Are y'all with me? Verse 12, David is miserable, but David says, restore to me the joy of my, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. That's what, I, that's, that's what I want. Make me willing to obey. I gave in to another willingness. Make me willing to obey you. Give me my joy back. I, give, me, give me my joy back. Make me, make me willing to obey you. I disobeyed you and my joy left. 
I dishonored you and my joy left. I, I, I went against your will and my joy left. I, I, I did something you told me not to do. I lost my joy. I lost my peace. Give me my joy back. Verse 13, verse 13, verse 13. David says, this is very important. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. David says, so I, I, want, I, want, I want to be free from my guilt to the point where I've, I confessed my sin. I told on myself. I apologized. I, I called my spade what it is. I rebelled against you. I didn't just make a mistake. I didn't just slip into something. I rebelled against you. But I, I recognize I can confess my sin to a loving, merciful, gracious God. I want you to create in me a clean heart. I want you to renew a right spirit in me. Don't quit me. I'm going to give more of, my, more of myself access to you. But verse 13, David says, um, my focus and my attention is on what I did. I'm going to shift. Listen, y'all. I'm going to shift. What's, what's, what, I'm going to shift my, my focus and my attention. My attention. This thing haunts me. It's like I got the can't help it. It's. I can't control it. I can't stop it. What if I was more deliberate with what, ha what I do with my focus and my attention? Verse 13, David. So what are you going to do with your focus and attention? David says, I'm going to direct my focus and attention to other rebels that I can help get delivered from their rebellion. Verse 13, David says, make me a new dude. Make me a new person. Make me a new woman. Make me a new worshiper. Then I will teach your, wa your ways to rebels and they will return to you. I don't want other folk to experience what I've experienced. I don't want other folk to lose what I've lost. I don't want other folk to gamble what I've gambled. I don't want other folk to take the risk that I've risked. I want other folk to, under, to, uh, to experience the restoration that I've experienced. I want other folk to be faithful just like just, I'm trying to be faithful. God, give me the chance. Give help. I, I will teach your ways to rebels. I'll tell them how I messed up. I'll tell them how I dropped the ball. I'll tell them how I put it in the jug. I'll tell them how I sinned against you. Now I ain't going to stand up in Sunday school and tell them, but I'll tell them. I ain't going to stand up in church and tell them, but I'll tell them. I ain't going to put it in the church newsletter and tell them, but I'll tell them. I ain't going to put it all on social media, but when I find out that somebody else is doing the same thing I did, I'm going to pull them in and say, listen, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. You, you, you're playing with, you're risking too much. You're putting too much on the line. Listen, I can, I, can, I, I can tell you, I ain't telling you because of what I learned in Sunday school. I ain't telling you what I'm saying because of what I learned at, when, the, when the pastor was preaching. Let me tell you what I've gone through. No, I ain't going to tell the whole congregation. I ain't going to tell everybody at Sunday school. No, this ain't for everybody in, 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 in Bible study to know, even though I'm, I know you're probably going to tell it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Because this will help you come back to God. You need to come back to God, babe. You need, you need to come back to holiness. You need to come back to sanctification. You need to come back to worship. God, David says, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you because they done walked away from you. I know what it's like. I would ask. I would ask. But I already know what kind of response I won't get. But I wonder how many of us know what it's like to walk away from God to have somebody to come and get you and pull you back in. Yeah, somebody loved you enough to tell you, trying to pull you back in. Nathan, you, you had a Nathan or, Na or, or, or a Nathanetta come into your life and tell you, baby, come on back in. Get, leave them drugs alone. Stay around. Stay away from them people. I ain't doing drugs. Yeah, but they are. They're going to trigger you and get you pulled back. Stay away from them people. I ain't, I ain't judging. I ain't looking down my nose at nobody. I know what they doing. I know where you're trying to go. Stay away. You, you, 
God, give me a chance and I'll help other folk to get out of what you brought me out of. I'll, I'll help other folk avoid the traps I'm falling into. Help, God, let me help somebody. That's part of your remedy. Your pride got your testimony all locked up. Your pride got your testimony on lockdown, but you sharing your testimony is going to set somebody else free. Your testimony is going to get somebody else to return to God. And it's deliberate. I'm still growing in this. I'm still growing in, in what I'm about to tell you. But there's something, there's something liberating about when you really don't give a blankety blank about what folk think. There are some conversations I have with people, even in confidence. I know they're going to tell it. I share it anyway. I know you're going to tell it. I, I don't want you to. I hope you won't. I know you're going to tell it. Just, just don't twist it when you tell it. Don't blow it all out of proportion when you tell it. When it comes back to me, all I ask is I want it to come back to me the way I gave it to you. When I told you not to tell it. Pastor, they say you, they say, no, that's, not, not, that's not exactly accurate. I heard you, that, well, that's, that's not exactly what I said. David says, I'll tell it. I'll tell it. So that they will return to you. Because if they don't return to you. If they stray away from you, if they, if they die in their sins, if they, after they lose everything and they become hopeless and spiral down deeper and down into the abyss of sin and darkness, God, God, help me, use me so that I can get them to come back to you. Let me pause here and help somebody. Come back to God. Come back to God. If you survived this pandemic so far and you strayed away from God, come back to God. If you haven't been coming to church, and I get it, I ain't tripping on nobody who hadn't been coming to church. You cannot come to church and not stray away from God. But some of us have not been coming to church and you've strayed away from God. I'm glad to see you. If you're streaming and you've strayed away from God, the good news is God is so gracious. God is so loving. God is so eager for you to come back to him. And I want to tell everybody, listen, I want to tell everybody because some of us, some of us we've been emphasizing how you need to come back to church I want to tell you come back to God come back to God come back to God if you strayed away from him come back to God if you have not being around his people has caused you to stray away from him come back to him if you're not being in his house caused you to stray away from him come back to him come back to God come back to God and then finally verse 15 David says David says oh Lord open thou my lips and my mouth will show forth thy praise. I'm really tripping off this. David is asking God to open his mouth. He doesn't say, he doesn't say like he said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He, he doesn't say, I'm just going to do it. Psalm 34, David, you're going to praise him. I'm just going to praise him. When? At all times. That's Psalm 34. I'm just going to do it. Here in Psalm 51, he's asking God, open my mouth. Open my mouth. Open my mouth. And my mouth will show forth your praise. Open my mouth. And when I open my mouth, I don't want to talk about what I did no more. I, I don't want to beat myself over the head anymore. I don't. I don't want to talk bad about Nathan. Nathan had every right to come to me. Nathan was in obedience. Nathan, Nathan came to me and confronted me because he loved me. I ain't going to talk bad about Nathan. I'm not going to talk bad about you, God, and tell you, God, why you tell all my business to Nathan? Any of y'all ever want to tell God that? God, I can be praying to God about something private, then somebody come to me with a word. I'm like, God, I was talking to you in private about that thing. Now. 
Why are you telling my business to folk? David says, open, open my mouth. David, you said in Psalm 34, you're just going to open it. I will bless the Lord at all times. Why can't you open it now? Why can't you praise him now? And I think David would say, sometimes that guilt can get a grip on your mouth. That guilt, that guilt can shut you up. Sometimes that guilt can have you opening your mouth and talking about everything but praise. It'll have stuff coming out your mouth that ain't praising God. It'll have stuff coming out your mouth that ain't glorifying God. It happened a year ago. You've already repented. You've already confessed it. You've already, you've already handled it. But sometimes that guilt will shut your praise down. David says, open my mouth. That my mouth show forth thy praise. So how would, how would somebody who's, who's miserable and want to cancel their misery, who's, they, they're saved, they're born again, they... They love the Lord, but they failed him. They love the Lord, but they let him down. They love the Lord, but they rebelled against him. How, how would they praise God? How, how, how do you praise God? What, what comes out your mouth when you've been forgiven? You know you've been forgiven, but you, don't, you, can't, you can't rest in peace in the forgiveness. You can't, you can't enjoy the forgiveness. How, how, what comes out your mouth when you, when you tell another folk, you just need to walk in your forgiveness. You need to walk in your peace, and you can't do it. Maybe what comes out your mouth at the cross, at the cross, where I first, come on, help me, saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there I received, slow down, and I and now I right now I am happy. Miserable folk can't sing that now. Right now I am. At the cross, at the cross. I'm done, y'all. Where I first. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.